You're listening to Blue Collar CEO, the podcast that's all about helping you build a better, more profitable, and more sustainable home service business. Each week, we will cover a different topic that'll help you enable your company to move forward to success. And here's your host, Ryan Redding. What is up, Blue Collar CEOs? It's great to be with you again. It's Ryan. Guys, this episode is, okay, I'm just going to let it out. This is going to have to be a multi-part episode because uh, who we're getting ready to meet is fascinating, has a lot of really fantastic thoughts that I think are going to help you transform the way you think about your business. We're getting ready to meet uh, Austin Clark, who is from the pest control world, but the way he thinks about operations and efficiency and employee and a customer experience, there's a lot here that we could only scratch the surface on. One of the things that jumped out to me was the danger of people wanting to throw money at problems and that when you that cash can sometimes stifle creativity. But enough about me. We don't want to hear about me. Let's meet Austin. Let's go. Well, Austin, I am I am so glad that you took time to be on the show because I've been looking forward to this. We were introduced uh, a few weeks ago by a mutual friend, but I guess for those who don't know who you are, uh, who are you? What do you do? Sure. Uh, really happy to be on, uh, Ryan. Really, really nice to meet you. And thanks for uh, you know taking the time to, to visit with me for a few minutes. And really glad to be uh, be on the show with the, with all of your listeners. But my name is Austin Clark. Um, I own a pest control company uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, Moxie Pest Control of Arizona. Moxie is a national company. It's individually and, and locally owned and operated. Um, there's there's a handful of partners at Moxie, um, and I've been uh, pretty uh, passionate about the home service space since I was uh, you know a, a late teenager, 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, and I just think that there's a lot that we can do as contractors to be able to level up and provide, uh, you know, customers, the service and value that they really, really deserve. And so as it relates to home service space, whether it's electrical, HVAC, uh, garage doors, pest control, landscaping, uh, tree trimming, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, I love, I love that, that space and love being able to contribute to the community and neighborhood and homeowners as it relates to projects around their, around their home. 100%. And for you at Moxie, so you said you're based out of Phoenix, but you, you are in multi-location, yeah? Yeah. So Moxie nationally, I think he's got about 27 locations across the United States. I think we open about three a year or so. I'm a local partner in Phoenix. The founding partner has got his hands and all of the, the rest of the national stuff. Um, but what's a little bit unique is that we've been given opportunities to be able to provide back-end support as it relates to uh, contact centers or scheduling or billing accounts receivable payables um, to uh, a handful of those markets across the United States. And so um, operations is a passion of mine. I love being able to do more with less. And uh, yeah, Moxie's, Moxie's growing. The last couple of years have been um, an extremely steep growth curve. And um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that we feel that that's, uh, that, that, that that's the case, but we feel very fortunate. Yeah. So I'm, I kind of want to talk about that because that's, that's interesting. So obviously a lot of people, uh, I mean, it was true pre COVID, you know, a lot of people are struggling hiring people post COVID. Some of the tensions and frustrations have changed and gotten maybe more severe. I, you know, I'm trying to not make political statements, right? That's not the intent. But the point is for a lot of guys, they want to scale. They think about scaling, but they <laughs> kind of go, man, I just can't find people to work. For you to grow at three new openings a year, that's 
that's aggressive by any measure, right? What, how, how do you guys do it? How do you think about the problem of scaling at that rate uh, from an ops standpoint, from a hiring standpoint? Cause there's, there's a lot in there. Like what do you have to think through on keeping that pace up? Yeah. So um, hyper growth has kind of been Moxie's thing the last two decades or so. I feel like we've, you know, you hear like overnight successes take 20 years. I don't think that's been any exception for any of us at Moxie. Um, and I, I think one of the first things that we had to do that we've done over the last decade, decade and a half is really dial in um, operations, really dial in uh, care to the customer and how we're um, communicating with them, how we're, um, you know, providing service to them while we're at their home or in their uh, in their house or on their property. Um, and, you know, as it relates to hiring, hiring was difficult before the pandemic. It right. wasn't just all rosy right right um and we're, we're not just because we're growing and, and scaling quickly it doesn't mean that we're immune to any of that either and so we've made a lot of adjustments um i mean i, I would say a couple of things pre and post pandemic that are just principles that i think uh people or listeners could take home and implement today i had this conversation just um i think last week but you you, you want you, you want to have a plan you want to have a structured way in which you're recruiting and hiring. And so for sure, Hop, you need to be on Indeed. You need to be on ZipRecruiter. You need to be on all of those sites. Um, but I think that you approach your uh, recruiting and hiring the same way you approach your customers. And so you make an avatar. Um, all customers are not created equal. Some customers, this is going to offend some people or shock some people, but they're not created equal in the sense that it's better off not having some customers. And so totally. it's better off it's better it's better off not having some employees and that doesn't make that employee or person a bad person. It just means that hey, here what we're doing with our plans with our growth with our culture, I think that you would be very 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 uncomfortable and it wouldn't be a great fit and so perhaps it would be better that you went and worked anywhere else that's not here because these are our standards. And so you create an avatar like who are you looking to be able to hire and then go meet them where they are digitally. So, okay. Let me ask, this sounds really, I mean, on when you're saying it, it sounds like, Oh, of course, this is exactly what you do. But I know firsthand, a lot of guys in shops, uh, don't, uh, it sometimes doesn't compute that far into the real world, right? Like they maybe they know, yeah, not everyone's my customer, but it's almost an excuse of why they don't want to run a call for somebody versus they have the persona on their wall and they know exactly who their target is. When you talk about a target persona for even an ideal employee, a lot of this, and I could be wrong. I'm curious your take has to do with like uh, existential sort of things with the business mission, vision, values, like these, these higher level attributes that get personified then in this persona. Is that correct? Or is, are they kind of unrelated at that point? No, I think that they are related. And, and I think what you said is accurate, Ryan, it, it is an excuse. Um, I, I mean, unless we have this plan in place that we're executing this plan as it relates to recruiting talent, then it just it is just an excuse. I mean, if, if you don't know who your ideal customer is, then you're saying yes to, to everything or you're saying no to everything. And so if you're the CEO of the company or if you're a recruiter in a company or if you're um, a, a manager or a key person in the organization, and you're listening right now, you, the chances are really good if you are a hundred employee firm that you've got some really incredible talent there already. Um, hope, hope, hopefully, the majority, it might not be the majority, but you've got some really incredible people 
in really incredible roles. And so what is it about them that makes them incredible? And I'm not talking about a gut check. I'm talking about how do you measure their performance? What Mm -hmm. things, what tools do you have in place where you can say, hey, this person, so we, one of the books I really like and that we kind of subscribe to around here, it's called Who. Dr. Jeff Smart wrote it. His father is Brad Smart of Top Rating. Great book. It's a great book. And he says, hey, throw the job descriptions away and use a scorecard instead. Uh, Job descriptions are of the past. You give it to someone on their first day. They put it in their desk or in their glove box. They never look at it again until they clean it out. Um, And a scorecard is something that will let somebody know whatever role they might be in objectively how how they're doing. So great employees, there's a few things that they want. Two of those things is an incredible relationship with the person that's directly managing them. They want to yeah, have you clear just, you and, can't breeze through that one. That's a huge point. It's a huge one. Uh, you know, employee, employer relationships, they are just that. It's a relationship, right? And so right. anyone that's in, in, in any kind of relationship, there's give, there's take, there's compromise, there's, and, you know, employers can't be heavy handed to say, you work for me, I'm paying you, you did that. I mean, I guess you could, but it probably won't go so well. But that's um, when the employees leave. It's the whole adage like uh, employees don't leave companies. They don't leave jobs. They leave they, managers. They leave managers. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and so they need to have, a, there needs to be a two-way line of communication and there needs to be a good, positive, healthy relationship there so that when things are uh, great, we can celebrate those things. When they're not so great, you can talk about that candidly with the person and not have them walk out the door or freak out or you know feel like they're being picked on. It's that you really care about them. Um, and the and idea then, of using a scorecard in the context of a relationship is interesting because it uh, there's clarity in that scorecard, right? There's it's uh, Patrick Lencioni. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff, but you know he's he's big on like these sports metaphors. So like a basketball team, at the end of the day, they share the scoreboard. Doesn't matter how many rebounds you get. Doesn't matter how many layups you get. Right? Everyone shares the scoreboard. There's clarity on the thing you're trying to accomplish as a team. And when you're doing this with the context of relationship, right? it's easy to go, Hey, you're not getting points on the board. And it's, it's really easy to have those conversations in a, in a trustful and helpful way. It's not, um, it's not personality based or arbitrary. The the scorecard is essentially a scoreboard to be able to say, Hey, we know a lot of things happened today or this week or this month, or even this quarter. Um, but these are the results. These are actually the results. And so a key element of that scorecard is they are they are results. And so, you know, for example, you think about the results that you would want to see from a service person in the home service industry. If they're driving a company vehicle, you would probably want them to be a safe driver. And so how are you scoring that and what defines a safe driver or not? You probably want to have a production element there or piece there. How much have they produced or not produced versus their peers? And then you can kind of score and rank and show them how they are and how they're doing and how they and how they stack up. And so a, a, a players, they want that. I guarantee you that everyone listening has got some in their company right now. Find them, identify them, duplicate them, ask them for referrals. Um, don't go ask your C players for referrals yeah. because they'll bring more people on that are like them and they're causing you problems usually. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the climate for hiring right now, it's definitely changed and we've made. And so th- those are some things that could be helpful pre-pandemic, currently, post-pandemic, whatever that looks like. Create an avatar, 
um, create some sort of scorecard that is like definitive and, and, and tangible and not touchy feely or like a gut feel, but that you can actually like measure performance on. What do you, what do you say to guys who like think, uh, <laughs> they think the only way someone could succeed is if they're a clone, like, Oh, there's no way they can turn this wrench. There's no way they can do this job. There's only, I can do this. And they struggle. Uh, they struggle quantifying the things that make them successful or not uh, that they can reproduce. Yeah. I, you know, I think that there in any organization, there's institutional knowledge that you learn. And, you know, if you're, if you're turning a wrench, I think that you definitely learn a, a couple of things about how to do that quicker or more effective or more efficiently. Um, but, you know, I think that that's the employer's job and duty is to be able to train up um, talent to be able to do the things that need to be done to be able to serve clients in a profitable kind of way. And so I, I guess if it were me, every situation is different. I would push back a little bit against that, you know, in someone saying like, I'm the only one that knows how to do this. I, I don't think that's true. And uh, yeah, I would just say, I mean, I'm not so sure about that. Um, and, you know, for us, you know, for us, I mean, you talked about some of the cultural stuff. I think it's really important if companies don't have um, clearly defined, outlined, stated, printed um, purposes or mission statements or core values, um, you know, or are able to um, receive feedback. Um, that, that, that's a, you know, the, the problem with knowing everything is that you already know everything. And so you're not able to learn new mm. things or to be taught things. And so, you know, at, at least for us here at Moxie, pride is something that uh, we're not like super into. We want to celebrate wins and successes as a team, but we are always, uh, you know, one of our team talents and core values is to be collaborative, is to be open-minded. And you will score lower on those things on your monthly scorecard if you're the guy that already knows everything and no one can yeah. do this as good as me. Everyone has one of those. <clears throat> okay, so let me ask Austin, I'm curious because you're the way you think about things is, is really interesting. What's your background? How did you end up in pest control? If by interesting you mean unpopular, then you're probably right. Yeah, some of my thoughts or ideas, they're not like necessarily popular, but they're based in, in, in logic and reality. There's no room for <laughs> and, logic and reality. Uh, I don't know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, it, those, those things have been, uh, you know, a little bit uh, not attacked, but they're, they're not super popular anymore. Uh, my background, I I've been, so I'm 37 today. Like today's not my birthday, but I'm 37 years old. I just turned 37 last month and I've been doing pest control at Moxie. It's the only real job that I've had. No joke. Um, yeah, no joke. Yeah. Before that I was doing, I think what every, uh, you know, kid was doing, I, I was like mowing lawns, doing odd jobs, just like different sorts of things like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm Mormon, I'm LDS. And the expect the, the expectation is that Mormon males are serving missions. And at the time, back in 2003, the price tag to do that was about $10,000. And yeah. yeah. So when I was 18 years old and I like liquidated all of my bank accounts, savings, checkings, my stocks, bonds, annuities, I had like $6 and 47 cents. I was going to say, you're saying words that 18 year olds don't know to say. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Stocks. Yeah. And, and so when I had, you know, when I called all my options and got all, all, you know, I, I had $5 left over. And so that wasn't going to keep me on a mission very long. And so through a friend of a friend of a friend, I found out that um, I could go and sell pest control. Um, I live in Phoenix now. I, I grew up in, in, in Phoenix. 
And so I took that opportunity and I sold pest control for Moxie Pest Control in Austin, Texas back in 2003. And um, the reason I did that, so I grew up poor. I didn't know that people had services where they, like I thought I was going to be selling like cans of Raid door to door. But it never crossed my mind that someone would pay someone to come and like take care of bugs for, for them. Um, but they do. And hundreds and thousands and millions of people uh, do uh, rely on that service and need and, and need that service. And so that's what I did. I went out, I was able to make the money that I needed for my mission. I went to Lisbon, Portugal on my mission for two years um, and then came back and worked as a direct salesperson and manager and kind of moved my way up on the sales side inside of Moxie in the mid to late 2000s and then opened the location with my partner. Um, in 2011 in, in, in Phoenix. And the rest is history. We're running just trying to wake up, do the best we can every day, uh, serve customers, grow, take care of employees, be profitable, and maybe have a little fun along the way. What is one of the most, because that, that's quite an arc. What has been some of the most difficult transitions for you personally, like as you make that evolution? Because there's, there's, there's quite a big leap from someone who's looking essentially to fund missions for for your faith, uh, and really whatever can help provide that funding is fine, right? Like you could have been the best stealth shocker at target and accomplish the same outcome, but to go into like selling, selling pest control to now being a partner in Phoenix, how, what personal challenges or growth have you personally had to do to make that transition? Yeah. So I, I didn't know if I was a good salesperson or not when I went out there and did that. I knew that I was a hard worker. And so I kind of relented that I had done difficult things before I, I wrestled in high school. I really lean on a lot of that experience to do no joke. physical things. Yeah. What weight did yeah. you wrestle? Uh, 140, 135 and then 145 my senior year. Oh, crazy. So I wrestled 145 my sophomore year. And then I think it was like 157 by my senior Great. Okay. Well, when yeah. you're in Phoenix, we'll, 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 we'll get it on and see who's still got it or not. You know what I see, mean? Everything was cool until the mental anymore. image. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny is <laughs> I, I recently started jujitsu and it's crazy. Cause like all of my wrestling memories like coming back, I'm like, Oh crap. I didn't realize I remembered how to do that. It just yeah. starts coming back. It's very weird. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and so there was a, a leap of faith, if you want to call it, or certainly some risk associated with going and doing that. But um, I went out, I was successful. I had some great training, uh, literally world-class training. Um, and, and, and then, you know, be, I was never a missionary before I went on a mission before I had never lived out of the country. I had never, uh, really had an away from home experience like that before. And so, yeah, those were, th- th- those were difficult things. I was excited to be able to come back and work, uh, for Moxie and help to have the company achieve its goals at that point in time too, in the mid two thousands. Um, I, I would say though, Ryan, the, the, the biggest adjustment for me was going from a uh, uh, direct salesperson and sales manager to operations. Um, as you know, I mean, it is not um, the, the best salespeople. You think about like salespeople that you've worked with or salespeople that you know, sure. the mm-hmm. thought of them having anything to do with operations or anything to do with detail or anything to do with forecasting or financials or like some of those things or taxes like that are scary. Um, that was the biggest transition. And so, you know, my issue at Moxie was never growing the company or growing the branch. Um, it was learning how to really run a company. And about six or seven years ago, I got really serious about learning how to do that. 
Um, we, we keep internal scoreboards at Moxie about how each location is doing. Um, we track different things that are important to us as it points to profitability or stability. And we were not doing really well on those scoreboards. And so as we, some of us here locally went to work, uh, we started to improve on those scoreboards and that gave us other opportunities to um, provide support to some of the other locations and other revenue streams and that sort of thing. And so um, I, I love sales. I'm very, very passionate about sales and marketing and working with salespeople and developing them. Um, I think that there's more of a, a interest and love and passion for operations, uh, for, for lean thinking, um, and uh, really at the end of the day, providing an incredible employee experience so that they can then go provide an incredible customer experience oh, that will keep that. them coming back time and time and time again. Yeah, I love that. So I, I'm curious because I feel like I feel like I could probably talk to you for hours and get all sorts of good nuggets just because of your experience and the way you think about things. If you were, if somebody's listening right now, they're driving to their next call or whatever, right? What are what are two or three things that you think? Hey, regardless regardless of where they are, um, these are three things that can help them think about improving their ops, think about improving their employee experience. Like, what sort of insight? from your history, would you say would be helpful for someone listening right now? So if you're an employee right now running in between jobs and doing your next job, I, I, I would hope and, and think, and I know that it's important, we need to become obsessed with how we can provide value to our customers. Mm. How are we providing value to our customers? How are we setting expectations? How are we doing uh, inspections or troubleshooting in a way that um, it helps them see the value of what we're doing. And, and I don't care like what it is you're doing. Like, I mean, I'm in the pest space. Like, that's what I do. I never thought that I would do that. Um, the, the, the work that the home service space does, it is important. It's noble. It's something that needs to be done with integrity. 100%. Um, 100%. Um, and, and so it's important. And so what is it every single day, every single interaction that we have, whether it's over the phone in person with a client or potential client, how are we contributing? How are we providing value? Simple stuff, right? Is it bringing the newspaper up when we walk up? Um, clients see that. That's such a small yeah. thing. We have a lot of desert landscape here in Phoenix. Are we kicking and they get onto the uh, uh, carport or, or driveway? It takes two seconds to kick those rocks back into the desert landscape. Um, and, and guess what? We're not doing it so people can see that. Sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. Do it because it feels good and do it because it's the right thing. And I'm telling you, like you, you, you have a company that's got um, 10 service people or 20 service people or 250 service people. You have people thinking like that and doing kind gestures and small acts of kindness like that. That, that, will, that will be really cool. The impact and the way that you'll be able to move the needle in a really positive way will really improve people's lives. It, it's totally it, it's all the, yeah, and it's all. Yeah. It's it's all cr- I remember things. a few years ago, like there was a, there was a review I saw from a customer on a plumbing company we work with and they, uh, the customer's review was floored because what the tech did, they were under the kitchen sink doing something. They took a photo of what was under the kitchen sink before they started. Right. And they took all the crap out to do their work and blah, blah, blah. And then they literally put it back like picture perfect as it was, so the homeowner knew where all the crap was. Like there wasn't like digging around. Where did that thing get moved to? And the homeowner was just floored that the tech would take that extra second to take a before photo 
to make sure it's back for the customer's like peace of mind. Like it was just this crazy sort of like raving review that you go, it doesn't matter. Just throw the crap under, under the sink. It's just well, right. Well, Ryan, and that, and, and that's what I'm talking about, man. And so how much longer did it take that service person Seconds. to do that? Seconds. Seconds. Sec- what if it took three minutes? What if it took five minutes? Would it still be worth still that? 100%? Worth it. Still worth and it. That, that that is, I love that. I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to steal that and use some of that example, but that, that, that is totally incredible that that person would, would do that. It's thoughtful. Um, and it's something that they, that, that the client thought so much of to take time, three, four, five, 10 minutes out of their day to write that review. They didn't have to do that. So let's, let's do this. I, I want to have you on again, because I feel like we can talk for a while and, uh, but Man, if somebody wanted to learn more about you, Austin, if they wanted to talk to you and like pick your brain, how would they find more about Moxie or connect with you? So they can reach out to me on my cell. Uh, you can call me, leave a voicemail. Texting is really the best. Uh, my cell is 480-254-9730. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't go to, on LinkedIn a whole lot. The The final quick thing that I would say, the, the second piece of that question is, you know, now, if, if you're an owner driving jobs or if you're in between whatever, you need to, you don't have frontline like customers or clients. I mean, you do. They're the ones that pay the bills, and bring revenue in. Um, but you need to have those same types of thoughts and become completely obsessed with providing a culture, an environment, compensation packages, all the rest of it. You need to be obsessed about having your location and place be a place that people want to be. The more you do that, the more people will stay, the more you'll be able to recruit other talent, and they will then and go do for your customers, your paying customers, what you've done for them. Make them run through walls for you. How do you do that? And, and, and let me tell yeah. you this. Everyone's going to say, oh, well, I can't afford that. I can't pay. It has nothing to do with uh, Agreed. I'm so glad you said that. It has I'm nothing so to do that. with pay. You need to pay people well, and they need to pay their bills. But the things that I'm talking about that we can do on, on, on part two, it has nothing to do with compensation. Cash stifles creativity. And so don't well think said. that you can solve your problems with, with cash because the, the most important problems you can't and you won't. Well said, man. Uh, Austin, it was great meeting you. We've got to do this again um, because this was a ton of fun. I appreciate, because uh, I know you're crazy busy. You are. So I appreciate you taking the time to reach out and and get on the show. So yeah, guys, send them a text, 480-254-9730, uh, Moxie Pest Control. Uh, Austin, you are the man. Let's get you on again, bud. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Great to be on. Great, a great day. Yep, you too. This episode was hosted by Ryan Redding, author of the book on digital marketing for plumbing and HVAC contractors. This show also includes much help from Shelby Nichols. You can subscribe to Blue Collar CEO on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us online at bluecollar.ceo and find us on Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. 